Good afternoon. This is KTOO. I'm Yvonne Cormery. Alaska's largest federally recognized tribe is opening a new office in Washington state. KTOO's Katie Anastas has more. The Central Council of the Tlingit and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska represents more than 36,000 people. More than 8,200 tribal citizens live in Washington state. Now, those citizens can go to an office in Linwood, Washington, for in-person help with things like enrollment, tribal court services, and child welfare. Clinket and Haida President Chahia Ish Richard Peterson says it's the tribe's latest step in establishing a presence in all of its communities. I've always said we're going to meet our citizens where they're at, so it's kind of that promise kept. Linwood is just north of Seattle. The new office has 20 staff. There's also a large classroom where Clinket and Haida education staff can host language, arts, and cultural programs. Peterson hopes it will help build community among tribal citizens who live in Washington. You know, and living in an area like Seattle where you could go about your daily life and never, you know, look across and see somebody who looks like you, who has your background, who is similar to you, you're going to be able to go in and feel like you're home. Clinket and Haida recognizes 21 communities in and outside of Alaska as community council chapters. The tribe has opened two offices in Anchorage in the last two years. Peterson says he's seen how much it means for tribal citizens there. Just driving downtown Anchorage and you see a Clinket and Haida sign, that, that you, your head kind of spins around. We've had people walk in right off the street and they're saying, hey, I'm Clinket or hey, I'm Haida, what's this? And we start telling them, and I've had people literally tear up. You know, they're so excited about having those connections and opportunities. Washington-based staff started moving into the Linwood office last week. Clinket and Haida is hosting a grand opening on Wednesday. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC, is working with Alaska's Division of Public Health to better understand why the Fairbanks and Interior region has seen a cluster of new HIV cases over the past two years. The division requested the CDC's help to assess what barriers to care may have contributed to the cluster. Alaska Public Media's Rachel Cassandra has the story. The Fairbanks and Interior region of Alaska sees an average of three new cases of HIV per year, according to the Division of Public Health. But in 2022, there were 10 new cases. And since then, more connected cases have emerged. Joe McLaughlin is an epidemiologist for the Alaska Division of Public Health. There have been about 24 cases over the last two years, and not all of them are interior cases, but all these cases are linked into the interior cluster, so they're all part of a larger cluster that's occurred over the last two years. The division says it hasn't seen cases rise throughout the state in general, but because of the size of the cluster, McLaughlin says the division asked for help from the CDC's HIV specialists. The CDC talked to healthcare providers and community members associated with the cluster to find out more information about who is vulnerable and why. McLaughlin says male-to-male sexual contact is the main way new cases were transmitted, and the assessment found two big risk factors in those newly diagnosed. One is condomless or barrierless sex, and the other is multiple sexual partners. Liz Olson is the program manager for the HIV STD program for Alaska's Division of Public Health. She says more than half of new HIV cases in the cluster were people under 34 years old. She says every positive new case is significant, but she says a lot has changed about HIV transmission and treatment in the past decade. 
people who know their status and know that they're HIV positive and are able to, to get adequate treatment can also have undetectable viral loads. And when you have an undetectable viral load, that means that we don't see transmission through sexual activity. That means that there, there isn't transmission during sex. And current treatments allow people to live long lives. Over half of people living with HIV in the U.S. are over age 50. And Olson says pre-exposure prophylaxis, or PrEP for short, is a medication that's extremely effective for preventing HIV transmission. PrEP is a pill people take every day, and in 2021, the FDA also approved an injectable version, which lasts for two months. It's 99% effective at preventing transmission of HIV from sex when taken as directed. Olson says part of the work to reduce HIV transmission in Alaska is making sure barriers to PrEP and HIV testing are reduced. And one of the biggest barriers to care is stigma. We really need more opportunities for people to get on PrEP in particular and to try to combat the stigma that's preventing people from talking with their doctors about PrEP, from getting tested for HIV, from talking with partners about HIV. And Olson says this stigma varies from social group to social group in Alaska. Some of our social groups have shifted to be much more open around, hey, I got tested this week. Hey, I'm on PrEP now. Hey, are you taking PrEP? And I think a lot of other social groups aren't as experienced at helping people connect to PrEP and helping people know that they should get tested regularly. Alaskans can find out about HIV testing and prevention from their healthcare providers, or through health.alaska.gov. In Anchorage, I'm Rachel Cassandra. Vitus Energy, the company that owns a tugboat now known to have leaked diesel fuel into the Kuskokwim River, told state authorities the Francis Snow spilled 203 gallons. KYUK's Evan Erickson has more. A large sheen was first observed on October 30th in Steamboat Slough, roughly three miles upriver from Bethel. That same day, a strong fuel smell was reported at the Bethel Seawall and as far downriver as Napaskiak, approximately seven miles away. It wasn't until the following day that Vitus was able to respond with a tugboat to dewater the vessel, deploy absorbent booms, and prepare the Francis Snow for haul-out at the port of Bethel. On November 2nd, the vessel was pulled out of the water and the company measured the fuel tanks. Vitus estimates that 250 to 300 gallons of diesel fuel were on board at the time the Francis Snow became partially submerged in Steamboat Slough. According to Vitus, the vessel sank due to a 1.5-inch crack in the hole. It is not clear when the crack developed. It has now been patched. The boat's been removed. The oil sheens are no longer visible on the water or on the shore. Uh, the smell of fuel at the seawall is, is no longer evident. That's Bernie Nowicki, the Western Region On-Scene Coordinator for the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation. I did inquire with Vitus Energy about Don River, and they have boats Don River, and I was told through them that they did not notice any sheen Don River below Bethel. And that was as of Wednesday. According to Nowicki, Vitus, as the responsible party, will be handling the cleanup effort itself. He doesn't foresee state or federal agencies stepping in to manage the response now. At this point right now, I'm satisfied with their response actions and their cleanup operations for this event. At a reported 203 gallons, the spill fails to even meet the threshold of 500 to 5,000 gallons that the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration refers to as a small diesel spill. According to a NOAA fact sheet, these types of fuel spills tend to naturally evaporate or disperse within a few days, leaving little if any fuel on the surface for responders to recover.
The fact sheet also notes a significant amount of fuel can be trapped in sediments when spills occur very close to the shore, as was the case with the Francis Snow and Steamboat Slough. Diesel fuel is one of the most acutely toxic types of oil, and high mortality of plants and animals can occur when large amounts of fuel soak into wetland areas, according to NOAA. Vitus safety and environmental manager Kevin O'Shea said Vitus crews reported seeing no sheen on the water or the shoreline on multiple passes through Steamboat Slough on November 2nd. O'Shea said the 203-gallon figure was based on the high end of Vitus's initial estimate of 250 to 300 gallons of diesel fuel on board the Francis Snow at the time of the spill. The state is relying on residents to report any signs of fuel contamination on the Kuskokwim River. Nowicki says he can be contacted at the ADEC at 907-269-8149. Again, that's 907-269-8149. I'm really relying on assistance from the community because I'm, I'm not out there. I don't have boots on the ground. It is still not clear whether Vitus Energy will face punitive actions for the steamboat slough spill. Nowicki said such action would likely come from a third party, if at all. In Bethel, I'm Evan Erickson. And as for the weather here in Juneau this afternoon, it's 41 degrees and raining. More rain is on the forecast for pretty much the rest of the week, with temperatures between 40 and 47 degrees. As of now, there's a slight chance of snow later in the week around Sunday. Sunset today was about an hour ago. Sunrise will be at 724 tomorrow morning. We're getting eight and a half hours of sunlight a day. With about a month and some change until the solstice, we'll lose another two hours of daylight. For more stories, go to ktoo.org. 